you know, I am very, very grateful um, all the time for everything that I've been given. At least I try to be. Mm. And I think that eventually it just kind of becomes a part of like everything you do, that gratitude. And so I try to encourage that in my children as well is to just be grateful. And um, the future, I mean, that, that can only come through hard work. Welcome again to another episode of One Starfish, where our mission is to help change the world one starfish or one person at a time. As always, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, all those wonderful things. I'm really excited to be um, having a chat with one of my good friends, Kayla. She's an amazing, um, amazing woman. If you guys have a chance to check this on YouTube, like she's drop dead gorgeous, has six kids. You would never guess it doing it by herself and absolutely, absolutely incredible in the social services world um, since 2012. So been in that, in that industry for a long time. So tell us a little bit, Kayla, like how is, yeah, what makes you, you like, um, sick kids running a business, you know, traveling all this stuff that you do. It's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, have you always been that way? Where did that come from? Tell us a little bit about kind of your background. Oh, you're so sweet. Uh, well, thank you for having me on Angela. And yes, I've always been crazy. If that is the question <laughs> that you're asking me, uh, but I do, I do have six children. So, um, four of those children were brought to me through foster care and adoption, um, which I'm so grateful for. And I really feel like they have just pushed me into new things. Um, I just wasn't satisfied with my life before and just having kids made me realize I, I need more from this world. And so they've really pushed me into new, new ventures. I feel like every year it just pushes me a little bit farther. Wow. That's crazy. So, um, but crazy's good. Crazy real world, by the way. So that's a good thing. That's a compliment. Oh. But if four kids are four of your, your six are foster children adoption, you know, a lot of people, my brother was adopted. Um, you know, what, what, what if, what are some ways to help the parents that want to adopt or want to do that? And, and the kids that go through that, because sometimes that can be tough on both sides. It can be really hard. So um, I started fostering my children in 2012 and the whole adoption process and everything took, like four years. It took a really long time. And um, so grateful for all the foster parents out there. It's a, it's way harder than anyone can imagine because these children come with a lot of baggage, a lot of hurt, a lot of trauma. Um, and, you know, as they get older, you think that as they're living in a stable family that they kind of grow out of that, but they don't. They're, it's it's kind of just like a burden that they always carry with them. Um, so, you know, there's a series of behaviors and, and all kinds of things that go along with that. So it's definitely harder than, than what I thought motherhood was going to be like. I thought, oh, once they're with me and they're happy, everything will be perfect. And, you know, that definitely has not been the case by any means, but um, it's definitely been a, a journey for us for sure. So, um, my my journey through adoption is kind of what led me to start um, my social services company um, because there's just this longing in each of the kids to be like longing in their heart to be with their biological family. Uh, no matter if if they're abusive, if they're neglectful, if they don't like them or if they choose drugs and alcohol over their children, it doesn't matter that the children want to be with the parents. Um, and I always had this guilt inside of me like 
did I do everything possible so that the kids could be with their parents? Like, did I encourage the visits enough? Did I, you know, let bio mom and bio dad have every opportunity to see their kids? You know, is this, is adoption really the last option? And until I could say yes to all of those things, I didn't, I didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel okay with it. And so um, kind of launching into my company, like I wanted to make sure that the biological parents had every opportunity so that the foster parents and adoptive parents don't have that guilt of wondering what if, um, and they can know like that the kids have peace in their hearts and they can have peace in their hearts and it just helps everything. Um, it just helps everything a lot. I know, you know, working with the biological parents and helping them with reunification and, and all the things that go with that, sometimes foster parents get really upset, you know, because they see the hurt that these kids are going through from parents missing visits or doing drugs or going back to jail or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they think, you know, how can you give them another chance? Why are you giving them more chances? Like they already screwed this up. They already, you know, violated the trust of their child. Why do you keep giving them more chances? Mm -hmm. um, but, but they need it. They need it. We need to know in our hearts that we did everything possible for them to be able to be with their children. And if they choose another path, that that's really on them. That's good. And so, curious what what started you down that journey back in 2012 like why why did you get into that field at all it's a, it's a tougher field um why did you feel called to to go that route um i knew since i was 12 years old that i was going to adopt children um <laughs> i just i just felt it in my heart like that's what i was here on earth to do is adopt children and um so i got married and i I couldn't get pregnant, but that was just kind of like a side, a side thing, my journey with infertility. Um, but I just started pursuing foster care um, almost immediately, maybe within a couple of years of being married, um, but I wanted to start down this path. So I didn't really consider at the time, like if my husband was on board or if this was very hard later. So I became a mother of four when I was, I think I was 24 years old. I was, I was pretty young. Wow. <laughs> but that's just what I wanted to do. I, I really love being a mom. Wow. And um, <laughs> I didn't know if the guy was on board or not, but we're doing this. <laughs> for the time you're 12, do you know, like if you think back to your childhood, do you think there was a reason for that? Like that you know and most 12 year olds don't just like you know hey one day i'm going to be adopt a bunch of kids like it's not a right? 12 year old dream <laughs> <laughs> um my mom really instilled in me a desire to serve um mm. and a desire to help people so i started doing service projects and volunteer work and all kinds of things when i was in third grade um she just was really supportive of that. Like we were always seeking out opportunities to help other people. And uh, this particular time when I was 12 years old, we took a trip to Georgia to see some family members. And there was this little girl that um, I guess an aunt and uncle were kind of fostering her through their church. They were helping her out or something like that. And this little girl was five years old and it was Nancy. She was the cutest little girl I've ever seen in my whole life besides my own kids. <laughs> She, um, I remember she couldn't be with her parents for whatever reason, for whatever reasons I understood it as a 12 year old child, you know, right. and I remember just begging my mom to adopt her. I said, oh, I'll take care of her. You don't have to do anything. I'll be a mom. <laughs> my mom and her infinite wisdom, knowing that a 12 year old shouldn't be raising a child said, no, I was devastated. And so it was kind of oh, like, could I get a puppy? You wanted to get a child. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, just a baby. What's wrong with that? <laughs> 
<laughs> so I just remember, you know, resolving at that time, like, when I'm old enough, I'm going to adopt kids and no one can stop me. <laughs> wow. And you stuck with it all these years, which is incredible. Um, your children are very blessed. Like you said, so foster parenting is tough. Um, what are some things, and this will apply to a lot of people that maybe don't have like not necessarily foster parents, but like in those tough moments, in those tough times, what are some things that get you through like the dark times? <laughs> well, it's interesting because years later, it doesn't seem as dark as you think it is, you know? Um, so I kind of try to focus on the future, like what what is this going to look like in a year, in five years? Um, you know, am I going to see this as such a huge trial or am I going to see it as kind of a Band-Aid? And, you know, and I always want to come out a winner. You know, I always want my kids to come out winners. And I tell them that. And so, you know, it's kind of what Ed Milet says, like outlasting the temporary. And I think that that just builds resilience um, in children and in, in humans in general, you know, so just thinking like, this is going to be over. This is going to be over. And this is really not that big of a deal. You know, everything I went through uh, in the early stages with my kids and, you know, wondering if I was going to be able to adopt them, wondering if a family member was going to come out of the woodworks and take them or, you know, whatever anxiety was caused. It was just like, that's nothing now. now I'm like, oh, that's no big deal. That's just part of the process. So, you know, eventually we think that about everything. Do you, um, and sometimes it's easier to, say to focus on the future than to focus on it. I think for a lot of people um, in any situation, when I say people, us included, I'm sure. But so are there some things that help you do that? Like some tangible, do you have a morning routine? Is it working out of the gym? Like what are some things that help you um, anchor you into those like future thinking thoughts? Mm -hmm. um, I really love gratitude journaling. So every morning, all right, at least five things that I'm grateful for. Um, I actually got that from Rachel Hollis. Um, so that was like, you know, I am very, very grateful um, all the time for everything that I've been given. At least I try to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that eventually it just kind of becomes a part of like everything you do, that gratitude. And so I try to encourage that in my children as well as to just be grateful. And um, the future, I mean, that, that can only come through hard work. Like that, that's it. That's the only way it can get there. So, you know, devoting like a specific amount of time every single day, weekends, weekdays, whatever, to focusing on the work that you have to do now to build the future that you want. And um, I talk a lot about that with my kids. It's like, what are we here to do? What are, and like, what have we done that has brought us closer to that every single day? So, um, you know, visualizing like our family, our family mission, like what are we here for? And I don't mean it in like a vague, like, oh, one day, you know, type thing. I mean, like really like today, like what are we here to do and how do we do that? Wow. And what are some things that you guys have come up with as a family? <laughs> Um, so let's see. So like one of our like family, like visions, I guess you could say is like, we're here to make the world a better place. So, you know, specifically, how do you make the world a better place today? You know, were you a nicer to your teacher? Did you give someone a compliment? Did you help someone? And like really shining a light on what they did. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also like how it made that person feel. And then what kind of bigger impact did that make? You know, like helping them to feel special about what they did and like, wow, like not everyone does that. That's really impressive. And, and so if they can kind of feel like they're different 
than everyone else. Um, and they are. If you're aware of what you're doing that's different than everyone else, you are different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So just kind of bringing that awareness. And we we do family dinner every single night um, if we don't have sports um, going on. <laughs> sports are kind of crazy, but when we do family dinner, like that's for sure one of the topics of discussion um, every night for dinner. That's cool. How old are your kids right now, Kayla? Oh my gosh. So my oldest just turned 16. And then I have my youngest is one. <laughs> so we have kind of a range. So I have one, seven, 10, 12, 13, and 16. And you do family dinners together. It's, yes. It's incredible. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of, um, like, I know you're running a business, you're doing a lot of other stuff. So do you ever have, and I don't have kids. So this is a question for front home legislators. Do you have what's called like mom guilt? How do you balance? This is a common question I get a lot and I don't know the answer because I don't have kids. So I'm not going to pretend to have the answer, but how do you balance everything? Oh my gosh. Okay. So mom guilt is so real. So real. Every single night I, I, every single night I have mom guilt every single night. So it's just kind of like, you just have to take it with humor. You know, um, the other day I left my daughter at Sonic for almost one hour. Um, she was getting her first job and she had to fill out paperwork. And I knew, I knew I had to pick her up, but I was doing a bunch of other things. And I thought it would take her longer than it did. And I go to pick her up. You know, I'm all excited. Like, oh, your first job. You know, did you fill out all your paperwork and practice filling out the tax forms and everything? And I get there and she gets in the car and she bursts out in tears, you know, like, you left me. I was standing out front. You know, everyone knows that I don't have a phone and everyone knows that I'm waiting for my mom and all these things. And oh no. Oh my gosh. I was like, this is going to be one of those times that she remembers for the rest of her life that her mom abandoned her at Sonic. And you know, it's just like the only thing you can do is laugh. So, you know, of course I hugged her and comforted her and everything's fine. And then afterwards I'm like, wow, okay, best mom ever. That award goes to me today, you know? And we're just we're just doing the best that we can all the time. It's so funny. It's so sad, but so funny. Sometimes. I could give you like a hundred stories like that. I just, you know, I don't know. I I, I need to work. I need to take care of my other children. And I guess if you can do it with compassion and laughter, that's really, that's the best I can do. So I don't, I don't know what else to tell you, girl. <laughs> you, um, one of the things that I've heard is very, um, I find very helpful and I'm curious uh, your thoughts on this, but is associations. Um, is that something that, I mean, obviously we know each other through Arte, which is associations. Um, but outside of even Arte, is that something you're pretty conscious of in your area of like surrounding yourself with, with say moms that are like power moms? I don't know. Stuff like that. Is that something? I don't know. That's what I call you anyway. Power mom group. Let me know. <laughs> Maybe you should start one. Right. Um, no, it's really difficult actually. And I find my connections with other, like, I guess working moms are just like, they don't have to be moms. I don't know. A mom is just like a part of who I am, but it's not necessarily all that I am or all the people that I want to hang out with are moms, you know? Um, but it is difficult because, you know, doing, um, school activities and sports and all these things, a lot of the moms are stay at home moms. And, um, you know, I was a stay at home mom for a period of time when I was married and I enjoyed that period of my life, but 
that doesn't give me fulfillment. Uh, and I knew that I knew I needed to do something, something different. So associations are great. Um, I would say a lot of, um, a lot of my associations actually come through my staff um, with my company. So, you know, I do a lot of training and, um, and just our group meetings, our team meetings, things like that, leadership and development. Mm-hmm. And um, it's great to be around people who are seeking growth. Um, you know, seeking growth is one of our core values and we're always seeking growth. So I feel like that is more valuable than maybe like your life stage or, uh, you know, what, extracurricular activities you have going on, whether that's, you know, motherhood or, or whatever, whatever other activities that you're involved in. So I think that by finding, by sharing my story, at least this has been really helpful for me is like by sharing my story of like my struggles or um, the things that um, I guess have kind of shaped who I am. It's allowed me to make connections with people on a deeper level and, um, and people are just able to share. I, I, people share things with me that I don't think are normal. <laughs> because we just, um, I don't know, like we just talk about big things. I, I don't like talking about small things. We talk about big things. And um, it just helps people feel connected. And everyone's going through big things, everyone. And it's just, I love connecting with people on that level. That's very cool and helping them. Um, yeah, where was I going with that? But see, we all we all have our moments. But uh, I just like I get right into your story there, and it is incredible. So where do, that's what it was. Where do you see your vision with your company? Speaking of big things, in the next five to ten years, like where do you want things to go for you? You know, Angela, I really struggle with visualizing. That is something I really struggle with, and I have this great vision. And then it comes true. And then I realized my vision wasn't big enough. Um, and so then I kind of like flounder and struggle and like, okay, well, where, where am I going from here? You know, I don't know. Um, I had a dream to be the biggest service provider in Arizona social services. So we do like parenting classes is probably the bulk of what we do. And, and we did it. <laughs> we did it. Um, we provide more parenting classes uh, around the state of Arizona than than any other company right now. And and I love that. And I was so proud of my team for doing that. And we aren't even, we're not even done. Like we're not even halfway to our capacity. And it's kind of like, what next? What next? And, you know, I've been kind of led down, I guess like being open to opportunities is really important. I've been led down some some tunnels lately towards, you know, domestic violence or towards this or towards that. But um, it's it's difficult to visualize and then like share that vision with the team, you know, because my team, oh, my team is so awesome, but they, they're like with me. They're like, Kayla, let's do this. Like whatever the vision is, let's go. And so if I don't, if I'm not ready, if I'm not prepared, um, that's like a big fear that I have is, you know, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, like, is my vision big enough that the whole team is going to rally behind me and be like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, I don't know. I, I always wonder that. Wow. And and one of the things that I love about you, um, and I'm sure the listeners love is this girl is super honest and vulnerable, which is, uh, which is, yeah, very, very, um, yeah, real. 
And I love that about you. Very real. A lot of people are pretending in our world and you're definitely not one of them, um, which is super cool. Um, so yeah, the vision, the vision is really important. And I feel like you're going to, you know, come up with a gigantic vision and having that team behind you. The thing is, if we aim high, we don't hit it. We still hit, aim higher. We get higher than we would if we didn't aim high. So even if we never hit quite our vision, um, if it's massive enough, sometimes people don't hit it in their lifetime, but maybe their future lifetime hits it. And, you know, that's something I heard someone recently talk about. It's kind of made me think they're planning a hundred years after their death and their vision. And so I was like, Hmm, I got to work on that. Cause I'm not there yet. Um, I've got like, yeah. So that's something we could, we can work on and get, get better at. And, and that's a cool thing. We're always learning and growing. So, um, in wrapping up, um, I always ask three final questions, and then I would love if there's something you just think people need to hear, you know, they run into you at a coffee shop, like final words kind of thing. Um, so three final questions is number one, is someone looking for their purpose? You figured out what you wanted at 12, which is kind of awesome and insane at the same time in a good way. Um, what's one sentence that you would use that you would say to help someone find their purpose? Just try. Just try. I think... Um... I, I tell people this all the time. This is actually like a really big topic of discussion is like purpose. Everyone wants to find that purpose. Mm-hmm. But if you're not actively pursuing things that you love, you're never going to find your purpose. You know, I think that sometimes people are just sitting at home or sitting in some job they hate or doing, doing things that they don't love. I, I, the, every single opportunity that has come to me that I've engaged with that has made my life better has come from pursuing things that I love. That's it. Um, I, I tell my kids that all the time. I tell my staff that all the time, like just find what you love and just do it as best as you possibly can. And opportunities are just going to open up from the heavens and you can jump on whatever you want to do. That's so good. That's awesome. Number two, and I'm sure you have more than one, but which one comes to mind right now? What's your favorite quote and why? Oh, that's an easy one. When I get the guts to get it tattooed on me, I'm going to do it. But it's uh, be fierce in pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. That's awesome. You'll get it. You want to get a face tattoo one day. (laughs) That's that's crazy. I like that. Uh, Face tattoos. Yeah. Anyway, number third question is what's one word or sentence you want on your gravestone? On my gravestone? Oh, no. Um, just love, just love. Please amplify that a lot. And mm-hmm. any final questions? If you run into someone at a coffee shop and they said, Kayla, you know, what's something that, you know, I would, you want to tell, but we just didn't ask, we didn't touch on what's something that you think would be really important for listeners to have in their life. Everyone's doing the best that they can all the time. And so just that little bit of um, encouragement, not not false encouragement, like, you know, oh, you can do this, like, you know, everything's going to be okay. But I mean, like, real encouragement from like something in their soul that they're good at, or that they just need to believe in themselves more. I mean, Angela, I think you're a perfect example of like, we all have this power within us that we just need to tap into. And I don't think that we realize, I don't think that anyone realizes the power that we have within us to just do it, to just go and just try and just 
make a difference or pursue whatever it is you want to pursue, like that power is within us. So just helping people to understand that, you know, like, I don't feel like you and I, maybe you are, I don't know, but I don't feel like I'm anything special. I don't feel like I, you know, I don't feel like God kept me from a different mold than everyone else. Like we're just the same as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that sets us apart is that we we try. (laughs) I really feel like that we try and we love and we believe in ourselves. We tap into that power. That's so true. That's so good. And really that's, yeah, that's, that's a really good final word. Um, Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Kayla. Really appreciate it. Um, We'll have her links in the bio for you guys to be able to follow her, engage with her questions, all that kind of good stuff. Um, As always, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and thank you so much. Let's go out there and change the world one starfish or one person at a time. And we're able to do that one person at a time. We'll be able to change the world. Thanks so much. Thanks, Angela.